friends and welcome back to coffee and chit chat with kim so today we are going to be talking about our animals on our farms or homesteads and the responsibility that comes along with taking care of animals on a farm and right around now as it starts to warm up around most of the world and we have a lot of moisture from rain Um, So those two things together start to brew a lot of bacterial infections and start to cause diseases. So we're going to talk about a couple of more of the common illnesses or diseases to look out for in some of your homestead or farm animals. But before we do that, let's let's catch up. Let's have our chit chat. You guys, I have some coffee this morning um, and I have... Um, Coffee Mate Vanilla Cannoli Creamer. Oh my God, you guys. That I think is probably that one. And Irish Cream is probably my favorite creamer ever for coffee. And I know we're supposed to be going like more organic and whole foods and stuff. But I can't let go of my coffee creamer. I just, if I have one guilty pleasure, it's my coffee creamer. I mean, I have a lot, but you know, the process. All right. So go grab your potion of choice this morning. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. All right. So this morning we are going to start our day. I'm so sorry. I'm knocking you guys all over the place. We are going to start our day off today with a Oracle card pull. And I've done this before. And I got a good response to it. So we're going to go ahead and pull my card for today. I'm only going to do one card. And uh, see kind of where our day is going to lead us. So if you were here with me before when I did a pull, you know that I just kind of have my my ritual when I do this. Um, so if I'm quiet for a minute, I didn't go anywhere. Your phone or computer didn't stop working. I'm just quiet. All right, so the first thing that we do when I pull my oracles is I take my deck and I pass it through my incense today, and I'm using patchouli today. All right, now I'm going to just hold my deck in my hands and really, really focus on the energy going from and, and back, back and forth from the deck. And I'm going to set my intentions. All right. And now I'm going to go ahead and shuffle. Just like you would a a deck of cards. Now, to me, if a card jumps out at me, um, that's my card. If nothing goes wonky when I'm... There's my card. All right. So what is this? So I was shuffling and this card just um, kind of flew out of the deck. So that's telling me that this is my card. 
And um, the oracle property that we're going to talk about today is invigorate. And it's represented by the juniper berry or the juniper plant. So now that we have our card, we're going to go and use our field guide. This is the Hedge Witch um, Botanical Oracle um, by uh, Solo Thompson. And it comes with the field guide. So what we do is we just open our book and we're going to go to Juniper because that's what it's represented by. And let's read. Um, now, like I said before, this book will tell you the scientific plant properties um, but it will also tell you the oracle and magical properties. Um, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, let me just read through here real quick. Mm -hmm. All right. So it says, the essential oil of the juniper is bright and pine-like and very invigorating, which is the oracle property associated with this plant. To invigorate is to revitalize, animate, and bring fresh life to something. This oracle card is called to wake up and smell the proverbial coffee. One of the tarot cards we can associate with this plant is the Two of Swords, which calls for clear sight and decisive decision-making. Juniper ruled by the sun and bringing clarity can also be an antidote to the seven of cups, which indicates that you may be lost in a murky dream world or the victim of deception. Well, I'm telling you the universe and I, we have a very, very open and a very great connection because it's true. I have a lot of decisions to make and some things have been weighing on my mind these past couple of days as in, um, you know, it's slowing down at my job and there's going to be a couple of weeks when there's really no work. Um, no work equals no money, you know? So, um, there, there's a couple of things that I have planned and set up that I've been trying to move forward with that requires some pretty heavy decision making. So this card is not a surprise that I got this card today. Um, so yeah, it just confirms for me that these decisions need to be made in order for me to move forward, to concentrate on making these decisions because it's an important part of my life. So I'm going to really strap myself down and think about these things that I have to make decisions on and, and do what the universe is telling me. So I thank you universe for sharing your wisdom with me today and pushing me in the right direction. As always, I might not think so at the time, but that's what's happening. Usually, you know, when you're going through something and it's, it's painful or hard or you just don't understand it. You're you're quick to to you know blame the universe or or your God or whatever you worship or look up to or believe in. And um and you know the question is always like, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Why why is this happening to me? Well, you're never gonna know because you're not supposed to know. It's part of the greater plan. Um so 
even though at that time it might not seem like you're on the right path, you're on the path that you're supposed to be on. And whether it hurts or is happy and bright and joyful, it's still your path. So learn the lessons where the lessons need to be learned, you know, and and move forward with your life and, and keep going because, um, like I said, at the moment, it might not seem like it makes sense, but it will one day. And I can tell you that from personal experience. My early life um, was extremely hard, was very difficult for me. Um, and also being autistic and having ADHD and PTSD and all kinds of, you know, things that I didn't know that I had or I wasn't aware of uh, back then because there was no formal diagnosis, you know, back then. And um, just realizing everything now and, and coming to be who I am at this point in time and understanding my brain and now being able to navigate my life so much easier. I look back and I, I see all the struggles, all the hard times, all the things that I went through. And honestly, I wouldn't change any of it, even the bad things, because it made me who I am today. And my path is not by any means over. I still have a very long journey ahead of me and I'm excited. I can't wait, you know? Um, so with, with that being said, let me read you this quote um, that I found. And it's actually from uh, Mother Teresa. Um, it says, we can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. If that is not the truth, I don't know what is. It's true. It's very true. Look around outside in the world around you right now. Everybody is looking for love. It's a very, very crazy world. So if you're feeling a little down and you feel like you're just going to give up, like it's not worth it, please don't. Don't give up. It's so worth it. Everything. It's all worth it. You'll see one day. I promise you'll see one day. So, all right. Without any further ado, well, actually, just kidding. We're going to pause right here for just a little break. I'm going to go refill some of my coffee and then we're going to come back and talk about farm animals and different illnesses and diseases that might happen and how to take care of it. All right. So maybe grab yourself a little pen and paper or your notebook, grab your coffee, your tea, your energy drink, whatever you drink in the morning, come right back with me, stick around. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. So let's get into it. I have my notes here. I just jotted a few important things down that I wanted you guys to know. So right now, we can see in the last couple of years, I think the pandemic kind of spiked this awareness in people of um, my food supply is not very secure. So what can I do? So you see more and more people start to get into homesteading, farming, and 
they want to learn. There's a, there's a definite demand for knowledge out there. And um, I feel very called to participate in this great big um, agricultural revolution that's going on right now. And um, so my, my part in this is um, I have my homestead that I have been doing successfully for many years now and each year it just gets better and better and it gets easier each year because i have failed so many times at so many things then i have taken those failures and turned them into learning experiences right so now all of the times that i've failed before now i'm doing very well at them because i've had years to work on them and grow with it and and improve it and change it and make it be successful. So right now my garden is doing fantastic. Um, I'm I'm so absolutely elated of just this feeling of knowing that I can go out in my garden and pick food. And I can use that food to feed my family. And then I can go next to my garden and look at my chickens and know that I I, I have food there too. They're eggs. Um, you know, and it's it's it makes me feel a little bit better. I don't like to do anything out of fear. And I, I've spoke on this before because I feel that when you do something out of fear, um, the bigger picture sometimes is harder to see you're narrowed in on the one thing on survival and and it it for me it causes chaos when i do something out of fear it causes chaos and i almost all the time fail so instead of growing food out of fear i'm growing food because i want to know where my food comes from right and so sometimes knowing where your food comes from also involves animals um, a lot of homesteads and farms raise their meat. And it is something that I think if you are going to be a meat eater, it's the most uh, efficient way to to know where your food is coming from, right? You, you, honestly, you fed that animal every day. You know what went into that animal um, and you know what you're going to get out of that animal. It's the easiest way, right? So you can go and you can try to research a company and put all your faith in a company that, you know, oh, they're ethically sourcing their meat and it's local. and it's. But do you actually know? Are you there? And can you see it every step of the process? That's what I think, you know is it was it really ethically sourced was there a guy there working there maybe one day was a jackass and abused the animals like like you know these are things that are important to me and a lot of other people so when you take on the responsibility of having an animal that you're raising either for um milk or eggs or meat you have a very big responsibility now to that animal to to their health, right? Because now that animal depends on you completely for their survival. And that's a that's a relationship that's very important. So right now I wanted to go through 
and just talk about a couple of common illnesses or diseases that you'll find in your backyard or uh, flock or herd and um, you know some of the common ways that it can be treated if it can be treated and you know is it worth it so let's let's start off with um, with chickens so since this agricultural revolution has started we have been introduced to a lot more chicken families right a lot of people are getting chickens and quail and duck and turkeys and you know animals that can be kept in a backyard there's a lot of suburban chicken moms i'm one of them i live in the suburbs um a heavily populated suburb and um a lot of people a lot of people i know around here have a backyard flock and also the other thing that i have to say about that real quick is a lot of people think baby chicks are cute right but they don't realize that baby chicks grow up to be chickens so a lot of people um i have noticed a lot of people do not educate themselves on how to properly uh take care of a chicken and what to expect out of your chicken what do what does your chicken need from you uh you know just things and and they get these chicks for their kids because they're so cute oh look at the baby chicks and then when they start growing and they're at about 16 weeks and they're too big for your brooder and you can't really put them outside like you know, it's that in between, that's when you start seeing people rehoming their chickens because they're over it, right? The cuteness is done. They're over it. The cute little fuzzy baby chicks are now these older chickens that they don't know what to do with. Um, and they didn't realize that chickens were going to be a lot of work, and they are. Any animal that you have is work um, because you have to take care of it. And if you're not willing to give that commitment to that animal, then don't get them. Because rehoming an animal causes stress to that animal, causes stress to you, causes stress to people taking the animal in. You know, it's when you decide, when you make the decision, hey, okay, I'm going to have a homestead, right? And I'm going to have this, this, and that. Do your research, read the books, read all of the Google, read everything before you get that animal. Now, I'm not saying that you can never rehome an animal, but I'm saying that try to educate yourself on how to take care of that animal so you don't have to rehome it because you know nothing about it. Now, if you have an overabundance of animals in your flock or your herd and you have to thin out your animal, then yeah, then you rehome animals. But then that's also a process and a responsibility that you have to make sure that your animals are gonna be taken care of the way you want them to be taken care of. It's a whole big thing. Like I said, it's a big responsibility to have animals on your homestead or your farm. So back to chickens. All right, let's talk about chickens. Um, one of the most common um, things that you'll notice in chickens is bumblefoot. What the heck is that? Well, 
it is it's caused by an infection and it's in the sole of their foot and it's usually caused by some type of a cut or a puncture in their foot that goes unnoticed and it starts under the skin and it causes like a cyst almost like a a, a bumble um and it's actually it becomes black and hard on the outside so if you see a bubble or a blister type looking thing on your chicken's underside of their foot and it starts to get black and it scabs over they have bumble foot and you'll notice that um if you see them limping or favoring one foot over the other when they're up on their roost so what can you do for this it's it's not the end of the world you can just so isolate your chicken first of all um remove all the debris like all the dirt and poop and feathers and stuff off of their their infected area and soak their foot in epsom salt so you take like a bucket fill it up with warm water and some epsom salt you're gonna have to hold your chicken with their legs in that bucket they don't have to soak their feathers or anything just enough water for them to soak their foot um uh i would say give it about like 10 minutes and then make sure you wear gloves because that staph infection um that caused bumblefoot can transfer to you it's a staph infection so be careful when you're handling your sick animal wear gloves okay so after soaking the foot then just use some tweezers right and you try to pull the bumble out the black scab if it doesn't then soak the foot some more and then you just keep doing that until you are able to remove that scab stuff comes out and then after that um dry the foot and then wrap it with like a vet wrap or a coban or something like that and just keep it dry as best you can and change the wrap every so often check on it make sure if you have to soak it again in some salt water and then soak it again and repeat the process but it's not the end of the world is it painful for your chicken yes it hurts it's uncomfortable so i'm sure that if you're making it better they won't give you too much of a hard time but they might in the beginning so be prepared for a little um chicken scrabble they don't understand what's going on but it's not the end of the world but probably one of the most common especially right now with the warm weather and the moisture from rain, the two put together, that causes bacteria. So just know your animal, you know, pay attention. All right, so the other thing that happens um, that's fairly common is uh, mycoplasm or bulgy eye. Um, and there's two main types, and I don't know the big, long, fancy words, but I know there's two main types, and they're both uh like a long-term chronic illness um so the symptoms that you're going to look for are like respiratory symptoms so like um, nasal discharge when your chicken is sneezing if your chicken is sneezing a lot pay attention um one here and there maybe they got something stuck there or whatever that's fine but if you're constantly constantly sneezing there's a problem um then they get like a foamy eye um they'll get like a like foamy like bubbles like discharge out of their eye 
um, and their eyes will become swollen. So if you see any of those symptoms, call, make a decision. And we'll talk about that in a second. But just know that this can be spread from chicken to chicken. And even through infected material on your boots or equipment, and it also can be transmitted through eggs. So never, ever consume an egg from an infected hen. Okay. Once diagnosed, the symptoms can be managed with um, like antibiotics and you definitely don't want to be eating those eggs for quite a while, even after the antibiotics and everything. So um, there is no cure. This is a lifelong chronic illness and it will remain a lifelong uh, the chicken will remain a lifelong carrier of this illness. So at this point, um, you have to make a decision, okay? Um, how much are you willing to spend on a sick chicken? And we'll get into that after I talk about this last very common um, disease, and that's a foul pox. Now, there are two forms. There's a wet and a dry, and they are both caused by a virus, so there's no cure. Um, once the acute infection passes, the virus remains dormant in their bodies, just like when we get chickenpox. Uh, we have the outbreak of the chickenpox, you know, and then we don't have chickenpox anymore, but the virus is dormant in our bodies, and once we get older, that virus can turn into what is then shingles. So same concept. Um, an outbreak normally occurs in times of high stress or compromised immunity. Um, so the dry pox, they affect like the face, the wattle, the comb, sometimes the legs. They look like raised yellow blisters and then they slowly turn like black and they scab over. So if you see black scabs on the comb and the face and everything like that, that's foul pox. Um, and then they eventually like scab over and then they fall off and they, it lasts between like, uh, two to, I'd say between two to four weeks. And then the wet form of it, it goes, it's worse. It's inside the mouth. It goes down into the digestive tract. Um, and they look like plaque or like canker sores kind of inside of their mouth. And, um, the dry pox can be treated with things like iodine, but the wet pox uh, should be seen by a vet if you know you plan to keep that animal. Um, this is spread normally by um, bugs. So like flies and mosquitoes, warmer, moist weather attracts those flies and mosquitoes. So um, make sure you have something like fly traps up around your coop and stuff like that. Because as, like I said, the warmer weather gets here, it starts to attract the bugs more and more and they cause problems. So, um, try to have some fly traps and there's a lot of, um, really good ones on Amazon. I get mine from Amazon and it's just like a bag and you fill it up with water. It has this stuff in it. You fill it up with water and then the flies go in there. They get trapped. They can't get back out. And then you just cut the bag down and throw it away. It stinks like heck after the fly bodies have been sitting in there, but it works. So um, check that out. If I can, I'll put a link uh, with this episode so that you can see which ones they are. 
So some of us are lucky enough to be able to have a dairy cow now. Um, it, it, let's talk about investments in our animals. So some of us are lucky to have things like a dairy cow or sheep and goats. Um, but the bigger the animal, the bigger the investment, right? So, um, when you have a sick chicken, if your chicken is part of a flock that you use just to lay eggs and there's no emotional attachment or it's not a, uh, special breed of chicken or show chicken or anything like that. If it's just a normal egg layer, part of your flock, working chickens that, you know, are replaceable. And I don't say that to sound cruel or mean, but to me, spending like $300 on a vet bill for a sick chicken is not something I would ever do. Um, even if that chicken was a pet, unfortunately. Because to me, the chicken lays eggs for a couple of years. Say your chicken is like four years old and you gets bulgy eye or something and you take it to the vet or wet pox, right? And you take it to the vet and, uh, you spend $300 at the vet and then they want to give you all this medicine and everything. To me, it's not worth it because I can go to a farm and buy an egg layer for $25 and then have fresh eggs. Because even if I treated the chicken, the sick chicken, I still can't eat their eggs for quite a while. So why would I spend all of that money trying to save this sick chicken when I can take $25 and go to a local farm and buy an egg layer that's already laying healthy eggs, my answer would be to cull that chicken. Um, that's just me. But that's things that you need to think about. How much are you willing to invest in what animal? So some of us that are lucky enough to have the larger animals like the dairy cows, that's a little bit of a bigger investment, right? So it's not like I can take $25 and go to the farm and buy a cow. Um, maybe $2,500, you know, like, so that's a little bit of a, a bigger investment. So if my cow got sick, I would be more willing to spend that $300 vet visit fee um, on my cow than I would on my chicken because I'm going to get a lot more of a return from my cow than I would my chicken. And I've already put a lot more into my cow. So you see, when you have a homestead and a farm, these are things that you have to think about sometimes if you take on the responsibility of animals, because not only are you getting, you're also giving, you're, you're spending money on the animal initially to purchase the animal. Then you're spending money on their feed and feed for a larger animal is not cheap. So it's a continual investment that you have to think about, okay, how much am I willing to spend to protect my investment? So, you know, when people, it's funny to me because um, from experience, personal experience, I have experienced this, people think farmer, right? And they automatically think stupid, hillbilly, redneck, all those derogatory words that people use. Um, 
But that's not the case at all. A farmer is a very smart person. There's a lot to think about and a lot of analytics to figure out in um, when you run a farm or homestead. And, you know, it could be a small suburban homestead or it could be a big, you know, 100 acre commercial farm. It doesn't matter. You still have to um, have a, a budget, uh, you know, schedule and, and things just set up in a way so that it works well for you. So just because you're a farmer doesn't mean you're stupid. Um, you know, and, and people don't realize all the work and the brain power that goes into running a farm. So I, I find that a little bit funny, but, um, so let's talk about now about cows. So if you have a cow, uh, here are some of the more common illnesses to look out for. The first one is bloating. Um, this symptom, uh, what you're going to look for is like in the left flank, uh, a lot of bloat. So it looks very swollen. So like if you were to touch the flank and it feels like a inflated rubber ball, then that's bloat. Um, also the cow will have little to no appetite. It'll be slobbering excessively and it will seem nervous. So this is where knowing your animals comes into play, knowing, um, the behavior, the normal behavior of your animal and how it does every day and the normal consumption of food that it takes every day so that when there's a change in that, then you know something is wrong. So that's part of your responsibility to that animal is to get to know that animal, right? So we can treat this um, by releasing air from the rumen and the reduction of fermentation. So if you're a, a rookie, contact a vet, okay? This is something that you might need help with. But you normally place a catheter through the esophagus into the rumen to release the air. Then here comes the messy part, quite literally. You have to remove the stool and it's hard. So you need to pump water into the rectum and, re and remove the stool manually. Not, not a fun day. So make sure you are on top of the health of your, your cow. Um, also something that happens very often in, in grazing cattle is heat stroke. Um, most of the time, if they're out to pasture and they don't have a shelter or at least a shady spot where they can lay and cool down water, they have to have water. Even if they're out to pasture somewhere, have a water bucket nearby. If you don't have water on your land that they can go and drink from, it is so important that animals have to stay hydrated just like we do. So if it's hot outside for you and you need a drink, guess what? So do your animals. Um, you'll notice they have, uh, they'll start to get a fever. They have dry skin, um, bloody eye discharge, a high pulse. So all of these are signs that they're, they have heat stroke. The treatment is water. Water, 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 water that animal down, spray it down, cold water, give them water to ingest, um, and then just relocate them to a dry, cool place, you know? Um, there's, there's so many more diseases that you could, I could talk about, you know, forever, but one, I'm not a vet. I'm, I just know a couple of things about animals and two, um, 
I would be on here for like four hours and I'm sure y'all don't want to hear me talk that long, but, um, we are going to talk about just a few things about sheep and goats. So, um, yeah. And then after that, we, we are going to be done with this episode, but just stick around for just a few more minutes. All right. So sheep and goats, there's a few things to look out for as well. Again, another large investment, right? So, um, is it, are they easier to come by? Probably. Um, are they cheaper? Maybe a little bit, but still a couple of hundred bucks, you know, that's an investment. So let's talk about what we need to look for in our sheep and our goats, and then some animals that we might overlook sometimes on our homestead. So, um, sheep and goats can get rabies. Um, now this doesn't happen often, but it is something to keep on your radar. Keep a lookout for behavioral changes or signs of paralysis. Rabies is always fatal once the animal is infected. Okay. Is transmitted through the saliva of an infected mammal. There are no commercial vaccines to treat this that are approved for sheep and goats, but prevention vaccines are always recommended by your vet. So, um, if your sheep or your goat is already infected with rabies, um, Again, I say the most humane thing is to put that animal down. Um, you've lost that animal. You cannot use that animal now. It, you can't use it for meat. It's infected with rabies. I would not. I would not ever, ever consume that animal. Um, but it's also, what's the point in, in keeping the animal alive if it's just going to die anyway, right? So do the humane thing and take the animal's life. Um, what else do we have? Chlamydiosis is, um, let me see here, is a bac uh, bacterial disease in sheep and goats, and it's caused by chlamydiophilia abortus. I probably butchered that, but um, it's the pregnant animals can shed a large number of that in the placenta and uterine discharge when they abort or they give birth. Um, it can be treated with medications. In some rare cases, it can be transferred to humans. So if you are breeding goats and sheep, be prepared and make sure you're well educated in the process, you know? So if you're a newbie and you've never ever had a sheep or a goat ever in your life and they're pregnant and they're giving birth, maybe just contact somebody who had a little bit more experience and get a couple of pointers here and there, know what to look for, um, know how to handle anything that comes out of that birthing mother, you know? So there's, there's things that you have to know, just a few tips. Um, let's see. So I mean, like, like with the, with the cow, I can sit here and I can talk about all these diseases forever, but I don't have that much time, you know, and I'm sure you don't either. So I'm just giving you a couple of basics. There's a lot more 
that you need to be aware of, but um, I'm going to let you just go ahead and do your own research with that. But some of the animals sometimes that get overlooked on your farm are your dog and your cat. If you have them, I have both. Um, my dog lives inside and my cats kind of adopted me and they live outside. So my, you know, your dogs, you want to make sure, you know, we're doing our preventative care, you know, things for like heartworm, uh, ticks, fleas, up to date on their vaccines, you know, making sure they have their rabies shot so they, they don't die, you know what I mean, if they get bit. So uh, if you keep your dog outside, it's also very, very important. I mean... If you keep your dog inside and they never, ever go outside, you maybe can get away with being a little bit more lenient. But if your dog stays outside, if you have a livestock guardian dog, especially, you want to make sure their health is supreme, superb. You know what I mean? Because they are working for us. So make sure your dog is taken care of. Know the behavior of your dog so that if you have behavioral changes in your dog, you can know something is wrong. Same with your cats. Now, my cats um, are, are outdoor cats, and they were feral cats that kind of adopted me, and they now live in my yard, and they take care of my mice problem. And um, they're a little bit harder to medicate. Uh, I do know when they're sick, when they're not feeling good, because I know their behaviors and what they look like, and they do get a lot of discharge around their eyes, right? Where then when we have allergy season and our allergies bother us, it seems to be like their allergies bother them. So I did order, um, there's like a powder that I put on their food and I'll have to look it up and, and link the product below. But I put it on their food and it helps with their allergies and it helps with their eye discharge and everything. Um, but if I ever had to give them any type of injection or, an, uh, you know, a topical solution or anything, that would never happen because the only one that lets me touch him is Jack and everybody else is still like, all right, we, we love you, but we love you from over here, you know? So, um, it, it's a little bit harder with the cats, but they're also part of my homestead. They're part of um, the work, you know, around here. Everybody has a job and um, it's my responsibility that they are working for me. I make sure that they are okay, you know? So it's just, it's just that, you know, taking care of their animals it's it's so important not only because of what you want from the animal but because they're animals guys like they they didn't choose to be a cow you know they didn't choose to come and live on your homestead you made that choice so now it's it's your job to to spend spend that time making decisions for them oh so you know um, what else, what else, what else? I was, I was thinking about my Oracle card just now that I pulled this morning and, um, 
Wow. Really makes a lot of sense, you guys. If you guys only knew how much sense it made. And some of you do. Some of you listening know. Um, but yeah. So that's it, guys. That's that's the uh, the deal today. I just wanted to make you aware of some of the things to look for as the warmer months start approaching and the breeding ground for disease is growing I want you to just be aware of what to look for in your animals and make sure that they are healthy so that they can live out their best life and also uh, work for you. And you have a healthy, um, hardworking, running homestead, you know, and it's, it's so nice. It brings so much joy to me to see so many more people interested in learning about homesteading and farming and so many different forms of farming. And there's some forms of farming that I'm still even learning about. Aquaculture is, um, is an up and coming regenerative form of farming, um, farming the water, you know, and it's very interesting to me. And that's something that I, I'm looking into further researching just for my own knowledge and, um, what else can I say? You know what? This sums it up. Don't ever stop learning. Just don't. There's so many things out there, you guys. So many different things to know. And so many little pieces of information that you think maybe you'll never use. But then one day, you'll need it. And you'll be lucky that you know it. Well... All right, that's enough of my babbling for one day. I'm sure you guys have other things to do. And I have a few errands that I have to do today. I'm off from work, so I will be outside in the garden. Mm, So happy, so happy when I get to just spend a day in the garden. It makes me extremely happy. I will be filming for YouTube today. Um, So if you guys don't know, head over to YouTube, Green Witch Blue House. That is my YouTube channel. There's only a short clip up there now, um, but I'm working on growing that channel. So with your help, you guys go over there and boost it up and uh, expect a video of my garden uh, real soon. We're going to do a garden tour, the first one of 2022. So thanks for sticking around with me today and learning about diseases in farm animals. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And when you go out there today, make sure that you are always being kind. Thank you guys. Love you. Till next time.